You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe, Vince, and Marty. December. We've got a pretty full show, as is normally the case around this time, because we will be covering the VGAs. Now, we're not going to go through each of the announcements in terms of who won and whatnot, but we will go over a couple of them. We're going to go into more of some of our favorite moments of the year next week. But just to quickly gloss over some of them and to give Joe a chance to bitch. Um, He's not alone. Yeah, I know. I had some some thoughts as well, I assure you. Now, the thing to keep in mind, and this is the same warning as every year, and I'll have to give it again next week, we haven't played all of the games. The you know We're basing our opinions on what we've played, what we've read about, what we've seen, etc., but we haven't played all of them. As a matter of fact, correct me if I'm wrong, but have any of you played Red Dead Redemption 2 yet? Yeah, I started it. Oh, good for you. Okay. Anybody else? It's pretty far down the list for me. Yeah, so that's one of the ones that got quite a bit. Best narrative, score, audio design, and performance for Roger Clark as Arthur Morgan. So it did pretty well. Not as good as I thought it was going to be. I I was expecting a full sweep. It was... Yeah. But God of War did pretty goddamn well as well with Game of the Year and Best Action Adventure Game. Uh, Joe, I know you Direction. What's that? And Best Direction with Corey, oh, that's Corey right. Barlog. Yep. Yeah. So I didn't play that, but I know that, I, Joe, I know you played. Vince, you played as well, didn't you? Absolutely. And you guys mm-hmm. loved it. Did, game of the year level or just it was damn good? Not to ruin anything for next week, but it is amongst game of the year contenders. It, it was a contender, but I personally don't think it was game of the year. Okay. And then best online game. Um, well, best ongoing game and multiplayer game and went to Fortnite. Honestly, that's not my thing, so not much to say there. I don't, do any of you play Fortnite? Yeah, Joe, I know playing. you were playing for a while. Are you still playing? I st- still am, yeah. I've, I was, I've been playing it. The new season just started. I enjoy playing with my friends, and also they just added, like, airplanes into the game, which is ridiculous. So I've been getting into dogfights in the middle of these huge battle royales, which is great. It's fun. Okay, and I'm not it. I'm not knocking it. It's popular for a reason. It's well done. People love it, so great for them. Just I'm I haven't bounced in yet. I uh, I played for like two days and then I moved on. Back to Stellaris. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it was back was a, to Destiny then. Safe bet, one of those two. I mean, I, I'm with Joe. I I've played it with friends and it's a blast, but it's not something I play alone. Yeah, I, I play alone too. Well, you're better it, than me. Not really. <laughs> I, it's it's just they they with the they, they instituted the battle pass thing, which gives you like mm-hmm. these goals to accomplish, and they're all really weird and fun. And that's part of the fun for me is, you know me, I like weird collectibles, and that's kind of what it is. So it's like go do this thing, like dance on top of a metal turtle. That's literally one of the things you have to do. So you have to figure out what the fuck they're talking about, where it is, and then figure out how to get to it and dance on top of it before you get murdered. It's it's just entertaining. All right, moving on. Best independent game and game for impact was Celeste. I still haven't played that one, but I am looking forward to playing it. Any of you played it? 
it's a very good game, but my problem was I don't know if all the independent games that came out this year really got as much attention as they deserved. Like Celeste is really good, but I don't know if I would say that it was the defining independent game of this year. Okay, so then what do you think was that? I have to think about it, but like... It was a big year with stuff like Dead Cells, yeah. uh, Hollow Knight, etc., etc. Yeah, like there's just there's too many to choose from. So yeah, the ones that they had was Celeste, Dead Cells, Into the Breach, Return of Oberdin, and The Messenger. Uh, all ridiculously great games. Yeah. yeah. And then the best role playing game I thought you would like this Vince was Monster Hunter World. Did you agree with that one? No. No. Thank because you. because Monster Hunter World is not an RPG. It's an Thank you. There Thank are you. there's literally literally zero RPG elements in that game. Okay, I don't know. I haven't played it, so I didn't know. You don't that, level a character, you don't pick skills. All you do is kill monsters and make armor out of their guts. <laughs> it confused me so hard that that Don't get me wrong. Been... It's it is yeah. one of the best games this year that I played, but it's not an RPG. Yeah, but like when you have an RPG like Octopath Traveler that came out in the same year, how how do you how does that not win? It it well this is what we go through every year with the game awards. They kind of play fast and loose with their categories so that they can hand out awards to a variety yeah. of games and studios because let's be honest, it's the studios that fund this show. And I, which is what I was saying when Rockstar must have pumped a whole lot of money into that show. And see, they had Nino Kuni 2 nominated for Best RPG. And I was like, are you <laughs> fucking kidding me? Like, no. The, the first one, yes. Even now. <laughs> put, put it in now. <laughs> but not 2. No, definitely not. So. All right, so let's move on to just um, some of the highlights, actually. I, <laughs> it was a legit, holy shit, when they brought in PlayStation, Microsoft, and Nintendo on the stage at the same time. That was like, oh, that you never fucking see that. And it was good to see that they were starting off with this mentality of, you know what, the rising tides, what, what is it? Rising tide lifts all ship. What the fuck is it again? Whatever. It's the rising tide lifts all boats. Boats. I was close. Um, so, yeah, it's it's one of those where excellence in one brings out the best in the others because they are fighting to to keep up. So it was really cool to start off on that that nice theme. And I also liked the the couple of uh, of segments that they did on the developers from Uganda and Pakistan. I, I loved that because not just because what it's doing to spread awareness for those developers and anybody else who would be interested in doing so in those countries, but also on a selfish level, thinking of, okay, well, what's that going to mean to me is it's going to mean some very interesting games when they get to that level where they can be sending out their games worldwide kind of thing. Like the the bomb dropping one is not necessarily one that's going to appeal to everybody here, but I can appreciate how important that is there. But because, as they pointed out too, it, it's it's so very different the culture there and the and everything else that's going to translate to very interesting games for us at some point 
to to be able to play. And again, we believe in diversity in games. This just adds a whole lot more of that. So I I applaud that and I look forward to when they are big enough that they are sending stuff to worldwide. And then they also they kind of briefly they didn't talk too too much about it, but it had been announced just before as well with the Epic Store. So that's actually pretty fucking cool, too, especially when you're considering how much bigger a chunk of change they're giving to the studios instead of just keeping them like Valve does. So I was actually happy to see them pushing that here because, frankly, for me, I don't give a rat's ass about Steam. That's just where I get my game, whether it's GOG or Steam or whatever. I don't fucking care. And if this is going to give more of the money back to the devs instead of them just hanging on to it, you got my money. Yeah, like it it was really cool to see a lot of what they they talked about was the very first thing i said available on the epic game store yeah literally they've already gotten my money like some of my money because of that yeah and then they did talk about the game pass and some of the new stuff with that too marty you you were wanted to talk about that yeah the the game pass which is you know microsoft's a streaming service for games uh they are going to be pushing out uh basically game pass for every device uh so uh it starts with the windows to go and the you know play anywhere initiative but now it seems like just about every game we're going to get on xbox we're going to see uh with through the game pass system also on windows pcs which i think is going to be pretty exciting um but also i am really excited for the list of games that are coming out uh in december and there's more just being added every all of like fucking day. time <laughs> It's just, it's, there's and, always games there. And so, like, uh, we're, we're going to talk about Ashen, but Ashen is a game that was released, and it's on Game Pass. Um, and also, eventually, with, uh, hopefully next week, we'll talk about The Strange Brigade. And we've also been talking about Mutant Year Zero. You buy all three of those games, it's at least $120. Um, you've already paid for your subscription, and all you have to do is download three games that all came out December 4th and 6th. That's it. Not even coming into stuff like the uh, Rogue Elite, ro- excuse me, Rogue Elite, Rogue Light game below, uh, Kingdom Two Crowns, which I know we've talked about, uh, and uh, I am super excited also to see Hellblade, uh, Siona's Sacrifice, yeah. um, just because you guys have said such good things about this game, and it feels it's going to fall a little bit in my my uh, social justice wheelhouse, uh, so. I, I, thought, think... I thought it was awesome, too. Like, when we, when I was watching the video and they're talking about Ashen, and I was thinking, well, that looks pretty cool, actually. I really dig this style. It might be interesting to try it. And I didn't realize it was coming out on the Game Pass already. But I had my Xbox open, and I was shuffling through, and I check that motherfucker all the time now. Because, sure enough, there's Ashen. I'm going, for fuck's sake. So let's install it and and try it out. So and I'm still playing Mutant Year Zero. I've got things to say about that, but we'll save that for next week. But uh, but yeah, no, I everything they're doing with this is exactly what I want. I would also just recommend just downloading Strange Brigade, which is you know I already did. You already did. Okay, good. Yeah, because that was another one you were talking about it in the show notes for last week or the week before uh, when you weren't here. And uh, and so I thought, OK, well, must be coming out soon. Check the game pass. There it is. I was like, for fuck's sake. All right, let's try it out. <laughs> so, yeah. So and they just put out Mortal Kombat. It's 10, not 11, clearly, because that's not out yet. But uh, that was added just the other day as well. I mean, for somebody like me that I'm not going to 
put in a lot of money into a game that I may or not get around to playing. I'm looking at you, Dragon Age Inquisition. Um, <laughs> I think this service is it's it's great because like one, I bought it with that uh, Xbox, uh, an Xbox in every living room deal that they had a couple months ago. Uh, and it's already paid for itself. Like I've already downloaded a ton of free shit and I feel like I'm making out like a bandit. And according to Xbox, more people, people are spending not just more time in front of their Xboxes, but they're actually buying more stuff because of the game pass and, and because of the, the streaming nature of it. So it's a, win all across the board it's like microsoft doing something extremely right what i especially love and we'll end it on there um is how i do not give a rat's ass if i finish something now i don't finish a lot of games because i bounce between them a lot and sometimes i just if i lose interest well you've lost me i'm moving on to something else um but i still it's one of those like god damn it i need to go back and finish this this fuck no i <laughs> It's like Netflix. I don't feel bad if I stop watching something partway through. There's a lot of other shit I can watch. Same thing here. That Thief of Thieves games, don't care. Uninstalled. Fuck it. I tried it. Didn't like it. Let's move on. I didn't lose anything. So, yeah, I fucking adore this. Okay, let's move on. We're going to talk about the the announcements. Not necessarily every single one, but there were a lot. The, the reason to watch this is rarely the actual awards. <laughs> it's all of the announcements and the premieres and everything else that we find out. So there's going to be a lot of them. So just hold on tight and, uh, and we'll see what everybody thought of them. I, I will say that while there were a few that I was like, oh, shit, this looks interesting and I can't wait to play this. It wasn't as strong as what I thought, actually, or as... I'm trying to remember everything that was announced last year, but if, if memory serves, I was a little bit more impressed last year with everything announced. So let's start off. The first one was Sayonara Wild Hearts, which a, a Switch exclusive. I do not know a lot about this. There wasn't a lot actually shown. It's very simple kind of art style with very vibrant colors. It looks like it might be a rhythm game. I Do any of you actually know? Not a clue. No, no idea. No. Okay, no. well, it's possible that that's all that was shown. I, anyways, uh, Journey to Savage Planet I thought was pretty cool. I I really dig the uh, the art style of it is especially. I like the Mayday Mayday. This is not good. <laughs> and it's basically an apocalypse on a new planet kind of thing. I, I, I. This is the kind of stuff that I like. It's it's kind of weird enough to give you that borderlands feel which is kind of what we're seeing from one of the other titles that we're going to talk about later and and yeah this is one that I, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to giving a shot the did any of you play the uh the stanley parable i actually never did play it i played a little bit of it I, it's a game i watched more than i played just mm -hmm. due to circumstances right well they're coming out with an ultra deluxe coming to consoles i loved the 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 ad though the ad was very cool yes <laughs> i don't know that it's enough that it would actually get me in but but whatever uh among trees was interesting kind of had a firewatch feel for me and mm -hmm. but there again not really a lot to go from so it very much was just a teaser trailer but fucking gorgeous uh and then we had marvel alliance 
Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, which, Joe, you were excited about that. Yeah, not only am I super excited for it, it's a Switch exclusive. Like, yeah, that's kind of a big deal. So it's the last one we got was, what, 2009, which was when Ultimate Alliance 2 came out. And it didn't do so well as the first game, uh, but it's a Diablo-esque action RPG multiplayer game set in the Marvel Universe. That's that's what these things are. And the original Ultimate Alliance was fucking phenomenal. Ultimate Alliance 2 was, was still fun. It was still pretty good. But now we have Ultimate Alliance 3, which we've been waiting almost 10 fucking years for, as a Nintendo Switch exclusive developed by Team Ninja. Uh, we know for a fact that it's going to have the Avengers, X-Men, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, and a whole bunch of other like random uh, adjacent characters uh, thrown in there as well. And then we know that they showed off Thanos as one of the villains, Black uh, the Black Order, Kingpin, Sandman, and Green Goblin. Uh, and it's going to have what we know is an original story, and it's going to have local and online multiplayer for up to four players. I am so fucking jazzed for this. I am going to buy this, like, right out the fucking gate. I'm going to have a lot of fun with the local co-op, because Tristan and I will have a blast playing this. I already know. This, yeah, very, well, very much. Well, see, here's the thing. There's four of us, and if Marty goes and gets a Switch, then all four of us could get this game, and we could all play together. It'd be great. It'd be a fun time. We got to stream it because, uh, so absolutely, I have have an Elgato specifically for this. I, uh, love the work that, uh, the Black Order is based off of. Like, John Hickman's Mm -hmm. Avengers run is fucking mind blowingly good. Uh, so anytime we get a cool portrayal of Proxima Midnight, it shut up and take my money. So I watched (laughs) the trailer and, like, like, uh, I'm getting a bonus. I'm waiting to see when the refresh for the switch happens and I'm fucking buying it. Spider-Man's going to have to wait because Kingpin black order. I passed out. I passed out guys. I can't handle it, (laughs) but yeah, it's super, it's super exciting. We know that it is going to be coming out in 2019. So a surprise announcement at the end of 2018, we know it's going to be out next year. This is the first we got to hear about it. It's going to be pretty exciting. Can I just say how great it is to see Wolverine in Marvel games again? Yes, it is fantastic. Oh, that that was what I was like, okay. At first, I thought it was like Telltale Guardians because the art style was very similar at the beginning. I was like, kind of, yeah. what the hell is this? And I was like, oh, okay, it's an Avengers game. It's not, you know, the big Avengers game we're still waiting to hear about from Square Enix. I was like, what? And then Wolverine showed up. And I was like, what? Yep, you have all the X-Men. The X-Men are now back on the table as a Spider-Man. They're all available to be part of Marvel games because they've been brought back in-house in the cinematic universe, so Marvel's no longer doing their stupid bullshit. I, I, yeah, and just just like you, Joe, I loved Ultimate Alliance, even going back to the old X-Men Legends games. Yup. Like, uh, I, I, I still have me, them. I still play it on the... I have the ones for the GameCube. I literally just looked up my GameCube to play them. <laughs> I think I have mine on the OG Xbox, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it, it's everything I love about awesome comic characters and legitimately great RPG elements as well. Yeah. And that, that's, that's the thing. Like it, it's not just a beat em up game. It does have those RPG elements, which is super awesome. Sorry. Go ahead, Raj. No, no, not at all. I was just going to say we should move on from there. Now you were also going to tackle uh far, uh, which one was it? Far cry. New Dawn. Yeah, Far Cry New Dawn. So after Fallout 5, or Fallout 5, after, well, this is relevant in a second here, Freudian slip, uh, but after Far Cry 5, 
you couldn't save anything in Montana. And so spoiler alerts, the game's been out for a while. Sorry. Uh, but in order to sort of take out the cult, you drop nukes on the area. It's just kind of what happened. So this is dealing with the aftermath of that still in the same area, which I think is really impressive because primal and four and five all sort of like took place in the same area, the same map area at different points in time. And now this one is too. And oh, I think the, I didn't know that four and five were in the same area. Yep. Oh, so that's they, cool. Yeah. It was just really interesting because they've been building off the same map and making it bigger and, and, and sort of like expanding upon it. But this to me was like, this was Ubisoft going, yeah, we fuck up a lot. We own it. But Bethesda really fucked up. So fuck it. We're going to make our own version of Fallout. <laughs> and that's exactly what they're doing. You can see, because in New Dawn, like you have mutated wildlife. Like there's a fucking rock leopard moss thing running around mountain lion killing shit. Um, they showed off weapons that look like pipe guns and pipe rifles. Like you get in the original Fallout. And it is literally you trying to save pockets of humanity from raiders who are trying to take their resources and shit while navigating this this area of Montana that has been completely reclaimed by wildlife that has been wildly mutated by the radiation from the nuclear bombs that you dropped in this area. Like, it is a phenomenal setup. It looks like it's going to be rad as fuck. Uh, and it's like it's Fallout meets Mad Max in a Ubisoft universe and... Whether their games are buggy or not, that's a whole other story, but they do make some really damn good worlds. I'm excited for this one. Well, the when I was watching it, like, I really didn't... I know they kind of joked around a lot about the Fallout thing, but all of those things are pretty common to any post-apocalyptic game, so I didn't see it as a middle finger to Bethesda, really, or trying to show them up. I just thought, this is how you do a post-apocalyptic game. I love the, the Twins as the mm-hmm. the the evil kind of um antagonist i i really dug what i was seeing there i did not realize again that that was the same universe that might actually get me to go back in because i really dig when they do that in games when you can have that familiarity with the the locale and the the people and see it evolve over games that's fucking awesome yeah, that's one of the cool things, especially if you play Primal or played Primal, like, and you go into the other games, you can notice there are uh, similar natural, uh, like, landmarks. Like, obviously, the land has changed over time, but there are certain, like, weird mountain ranges and things like that that stand out. And it is really cool when you're playing through the game and you look over and you're like, hey, wait a minute, hold on a second. Like, it, it is really neat. And like, I will give them credit, like I said, for world building on that. All right, let's move on. One of the ones that I and a lot of people were immediately drawn to, partially because of the pedigree with Supergiant mm-hmm. Games, but also just because it looked fucking awesome, was Hades. And you've already picked it up in early access, I hear, Joe? Yeah, the minute the store went live, which was really interesting because the minute they announced that it was going to be an Epic Games exclusive, I loaded up the launcher to go into the store, and the store crashed because so many people were trying to get in (laughs) so hades is an action rpg roguelike based off of greek mythology in the same art style that we've known from transistor bastion and pyre and supergiant just knocks it out of the fucking park Uh, you have logan cunningham voicing hades and the setup it for it, it, it like i don't say this lightly i hate early access i don't like buying into early access because i feel like I'm paying somebody to give me their alpha crap. 
this doesn't feel like an early access game at all. Like it is polished already. The controls are very, very tight. The art style is fantastic. The voice acting is great. The sound engineering is great. And it is super fun. Now, not only do I love roguelikes, but the the ability like these RPG elements of going through and getting different upgrades for your character and getting different permanent unlocks from, you know, completing so many rooms. And it's just a simple story that I haven't uncovered everything yet. And they're not telling anybody anything yet. And it's you're the son of Hades and you're trying to get out of hell. Like, that's your goal. That's it. You just want to get out. They don't tell you why. They don't tell you anything. But as you play the game and as you die and repeat and die and repeat, you talk to more NPCs and you start getting more pieces of the story. And the farther you get, you get more pieces of the story. And it's really cool because the entire Greek pantheon is slowly trying to help you. And every time they help you, they give you a different upgrade or a different idea of what path you can take and give you little snippets of story to go along with it. It is fantastic. I've already dumped like 15 hours into it. I'll, I'll be picking it up. It, what's funny is that uh, Marty and I were just talking before the show because we were talking about Ashen and I was saying there's elements of it, the, the souls aspects of it that I really am not a fan of the that roguelike thing where you have to go back so fucking far and start back again. And yet from at least from what I saw of, of Hades, it's not that it rewarded you for dying, but you had different uh, uh, kind of a different play for each play was a little different. You were learning something different or, or whatever. And I, and that's enough that it does not feel then like a waste of time. And, and I really dug that. Yeah. And, and if a roguelite is done right, it doesn't feel like a Sisyphean feat, right? Like it's, it's everything is progress. Death is progress. And it gets you a little bit further, a little bit further, a little bit further. Like when I first played it, I made it two two rooms in out of 27. Like you're supposed to be able to make it 27 rooms in right now. It, it, that's that's what they have in the build right now. I made it two rooms, then I made it three rooms, then I made it four <laughs> rooms. But every every time I died and went back and, and learned something new, I got a little bit further, and they introduced more mechanics. And it's it's really really interesting. And you can tailor your gameplay to what you unlock and what you want to do. So you want to be a ranged combat? There's a bow and arrow set. You want to be a pikeman, there's a pike. You want to be a giant bruiser, there's a bruiser weapon. It it makes real good sense. It plays really, really phenomenally. So it's, even if you don't normally like roguelikes, I'd say roll the dice on this one because it's that good and it's it's that intuitive compared to some of the other ones. Is it coming out on Switch? It is an exclusive to the Epic Game Store. That's all we know right now. Okay. Because some of the oh okay, and we'll have to see which I'll, which I have I'll talk to you and Vince after the show because I learned something interesting today that's related to cloud based gaming. <laughs> well, all right then, <laughs> I can hardly wait. Yeah, wow, sign me up for I that learned, discussion. Oh. <laughs> Marty's like, what the fuck did fuck I do you, wrong? Marty. Why can't I know this shit? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, Marty, this uh, you know what? Fuck it, I'll take ten seconds. Um, so I learned that right now there is a, a company that is that is called I think it's called Shadow Play that's specializing in doing uh, cloud-based gaming that heavily relies on your bandwidth and not your PC, and it switches seamlessly between your iOS devices, Android devices, smart TVs. They have an application for those as well, as well as your PCs. 
And what they do is they have their own data center set up where you sign into the service, you they spin up a Windows 10 box for you with a dedicated graphics card for your instance. Not shared, not splintered like previous ones. You get a, a NVIDIA 1080 dedicated to your installation. And the maximum latency that they're seeing is maybe 90 milliseconds. It is absolutely insane. And it works on Mac as well. Yeah, but if they're doing dedicated boxes for people, that's going to cost a fortune. 20 bucks a month. That's it. 20 bucks a month. And the, the, the caveat is you have to own the games. Like, you can install anything you own on these machines. They don't provide you the games. They basically give you an environment with low latency to compute with. So people with lower-end computers that can't afford big upgrades or people with Macs that can't play the PC games or don't want to buy a version of Windows to do their own drive split off. And then you have certain companies like, you know, Blizzard who no longer supports Mac OS in any of their games, really. Like they have like, Oh, you don't have to sell us on it. We get it. I, I, but it's it's, it's a good thing. The only problem that I'm seeing though is again, okay, let me put it to you this way to be the optimist. If $20 is all you have to pay and, um, and you, you're never in a queue to wait for a box to open up, then that's a great deal. That's that's actually yep, pretty fucking yours. cool. But, man, that seems ridiculously so low for me. Here, Here's how they're doing it, though, and this is the interesting thing. Unlike other services that have tried this in the past, they're not co-oping data centers that exist already. So one of the problems with the costs, and anybody who works in IT will tell you this, Streaming services who relied on AWS or any of the like CenturyLink data centers or anything like that were charged a super premium and they were the shared environments that were not specifically geared or made for this in mind. So what this company is doing is they're setting up their own goddamn data centers, tooling it exactly as they need it to be to host this type of service and able to tweak everything themselves. And because they own the data centers, they cannot they don't have to charge five times what they would normally charge to make their money back it's it's brilliant okay well all right i can there's a bunch of people that are listening right now go what the fuck does this have to do with the vga so we're gonna move on all right <laughs> because really um they well, talk- I'm tired of hearing about like you know Vince doesn't have a computer that can can't play this game or that, he does you know, now he can't play because it it's back vince does, does have, have a, computer a computer that can play this game oh well, there you go Marty. <laughs> all right. Vince also has a switch. Marty. All right. All right. Don't rub it in, Vince. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Moving on. Uh, we got a weird trailer that really didn't tell us much about um, Ancestors, the Humankind Odyssey. I like the idea, which is showing us, you know, basically evolution from the apes all the way to Lucy. But the trailer really did not show much just kind of bounced around between times to show a few little clips but i'm curious now scavengers however look pretty fucking awesome like sci-fi setting which i dig crew is getting to the escape pods heading to a winter wonderland area kind of thing and it appears that there's looked like an alien ship had crashed or whatever it's from a new studio that they had some devs on Halo and Battlefield, so they know how to do this type of game. It's a survival game, multiplayer. It looked like a lot of fun. Not a ton of details about it, so I don't know everything yet, but it looked like it would be 
a very fun game to bounce into in the same way that we did with destiny two of just kind of go in and shoot some shit and have some fun with friends. This certainly looks like it has that in spades. Yeah. So I looked into ancestors a little bit more uh, done by the original creator of the Assassin's Creed series, uh, Patrice DC. Oh God, my French is De Soleil. He, uh, you know, creator of the Assassin's Creed series, it looks like our apes are going to parkour and brachiate through the trees. Uh, but yeah, it's a 10 million year span in the uh, from the old OV crater in Kenya on up. And you're going to fight saber toothed tigers and whatever. And uh, I'm calling it now. It will end. It culminate with Avengers 1 million. BC. <laughs> Thanos snaps his fingers and half of them disappear. Yeah. And that's why we don't have superpowers anymore. <laughs> All right, then. Uh, again, it looks interesting. I'm curious, but uh, but I don't think we saw enough. Uh, we no, got I don't think we did. A trailer for Darkness Among Us. Uh, is it a DLC or an expansion? I think it's just a DLC for Dead by Daylight. It should Daylight. be a DLC, yeah. yeah. So not a big deal. We did get more on Anthem, and Casey Hudson was there, too. Vince, you had some things for that. Yeah, we got the new story trailer for Anthem, and this is interesting because as somebody who's growing more interested in Anthem as they, they continue showing more of the game, I liked this because it's finally kind of our first look into the characters and the world and how they're going to be interacting with you and finally getting like a little bit of emotion and feeling I'm like, okay, this is cool. But at the same time, if you're not on board with it i don't feel this trailer was very effective in selling you i don't know like i know you guys are definitely more on the not interested side of things i was yeah. not that impressed with the trailer because yeah. because it felt like basically somebody watched an attack on titan season and <laughs> applied that to mechs and, and, and anthem, you know? So it, it, I, it does. I, I wouldn't even go that far. I'd say they read some Jack Kirby DC comics because this dude is 100% dark side talking about the anti life equation. Yeah. So there was just, <laughs> there was nothing you, really en engaging enough or original for me to suddenly go, oh, okay, well, based on what we've known so far, plus this, yeah, sure, I'll get it. It was, no, not at all. Yeah. It, it, again, it, it's it was interesting, but I don't feel it sells the game very well at all. Which brings us back to like the original talks we had, where okay, it could be interesting, but they're not doing a very good job of selling it unless you watch like their underground live streams. Mm, yeah, uh, we got some uh, news on Crash Bandicoot, so well, whatever. But the big one, and possibly for me, the yeah, definitely. The, the best one for me was the announcement of The Outer Worlds. This is everything I want right now. <laughs> like, this is just looks awesome. Joe, go ahead. Joe's not here right now. He said in the Discord to move on. Motherfucker. <laughs> I was making sure I was watching the squiggly lines so that we didn't lose anything. Back in a minute, dog needs to go out. Skip to Marty. Fuck you, Joe. And I'm leaving this in. <laughs> oh, that's, that's mean. Uh, the Dauntless trailer looked cool as well. 
which is basically it, it's like Monster Hunter World almost in terms of its style, but with like a Pixarish kind of style. But mm-hmm. I've been following that game for a little while. I actually I'm already signed up for it kind of thing. I I think it looks freaking awesome. What's funny is I saw this and I was like. Oh right, that game's still not actually out. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> it, it it was announced what like a year or so ago, like it went it's through been betas a and stuff. Wow, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I'd forgotten about the goddamn thing, so I was like, okay, well, cool, it's back on the radar because it does look awesome, and I really am looking forward to playing it. Uh, let's move on to Atlas, Marty. You wanted to talk about that. Yeah, because so Joe's I... not here. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Atlas is uh, created by the same dev team that gave us Ark, the survival game that has had uh, some issues. Uh, I never played Ark because even I was aware of like, this game seems a little bit funky, but it could have been cool. Uh, I've seen that this is the pirate MMO that you want to play, not the pirate MMO that we currently have. Um, I don't really care about pirates, but it looks cool. Uh, there are going to be two servers, a PVE one and a PVP one, and they're looking to have the PVP server be the scheming sort of den of equity that is EVE Online. Uh, they literally say they want to have uh, the same kind of backdoor bloodthirsty shenanigans that go on on EVE on their PVP server. Uh, it will be a persistent world with AI shipmates, uh, the po- you know the Polygon article has some more in depth about it, but it looks gorgeous. Uh, we get a scene of you know two uh, dual wielding pistols, like old school flintlocks, which I really dig. Like I mean, I care for pirates, but I like flintlocks. Uh, and they talked about how you're gonna go throughout the persistent world and you know find all these artifacts on the collection of islands or a or a by raiding somebody else's ship and then with your teammates you summon some sort of sea demon um the trailer looks great because you got cannons and dudes in armor and bows and arrows and flintlocks and then somebody flies in all daenerys targaryen style and starts blowing flame over everybody it looks like a lot of fun my concern with this game though is when you your goal is to set out to emulate you know eve online and some of that community i am immediately like well i'm never gonna if i pick up this game i'm not gonna dabble in pvp because it's gonna i'm gonna get i'm gonna get wrecked because i won't have the opportunity to actually like learn anything about it before i get wrecked so but it does look like a fun game yeah i agree and then they talked about ashen so why don't we jump into that now Okay, so this is the game I'm super excited about, not just because it's on Game Pass, but because it looks great. There's one other game that uh, has a similar style that we're going to talk about in a little bit, uh, but Ashen is the, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. The story is beginning to unfold. Uh, one of the reviews I watched, uh, the guy compares it to Dark Souls, and so it's a Dark Souls-like game where you're trying to... Uh, have your attacks and dodge the uh, opponent's attacks and soak up some damage this way and that. Uh, And you have this AI follower, but what's cool about this is they're calling it passive multiplayer. So you can meet people. You don't have to meet people, but the world will change as you log into this game. And as you play and uh, as things happen in the world, Uh, no two games will ever be the same. 
simply being in the same place at a certain time will alter the way the story unfolds. There is a ton of open world exploration. Uh, the combat is... The combat reminds me, uh, since I have not played a Dark Souls game, but it reminds me of the way I play a Hunter in Destiny, or used to play a Hunter in Destiny, where it's like dodge, uh, punch, recharge your dot, which recharges your dodge, which recharges your punch, so on and so forth, and until I'll finally get overwhelmed by mobs. Um, it feels like that, except slower. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, it's, it's more fitting to the setting, which is this... Uh, it opens up with the story of of the three ages and the mythology behind the world's creation and the Ashen, which is this celestial bird that's basically a phoenix, and the phoenix is going to rise from its ashes, and there are bad things that don't want it to rise again so that there's light in the world. Um, the characters don't have faces, um, which isn't bad, it's definitely a little bit disconcerting in the character creation mode, but I found that I was really enjoying like just jumping in and playing this game. It's absolutely stunning. Uh, the colors are a little bit muted because it's a world where the light is fading. And uh, I am, I am personally on like a dying earth fiction kick right now. So this is really speaking to me as like hack and slash sword and sorcery uh, save yourself or the world depending on how much you want to play it it's like i am very excited that it's on game pass because now my friends on xbox who have most of us have game pass it's something that we can all just jump in try play around a little bit and then go on our merry way it's it, i'm very excited because there's also like the lore is layered and just peeling stuff back it's it's phenomenal it's it's super fun I'm curious how it's going to work for playing with others if you have to start kind of like a new character or if you're bringing your character and their weapons and everything into, like, if I join your game kind of thing. So I'm curious how that's going to work. Do you, do you know or? I, I don't know. Okay. I do know that the uh, level of the bads and the mobs goes up when there is another person in your party. Uh, and if it's just you by yourself, you still have your AI person who does a lot of the heavy lifting. Oh, I like um, him. He's the AI is my fucking friend. <laughs> yeah. Well, this dude, this this friend was like, I've played a lot of squad games. I've played a lot of like, here's your AI buddy who just hope they don't get in your way. Uh, this AI was great. I was loving him. Well, not just that. Hell, he revives you at one point, too. If you, yeah. if you get hit hard, I adored the art style. I love the, the fact that there were no faces. Um, it, it almost has a, like a plasticine, plasticine feel to it kind of thing, you know, like, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's very, very cool and very, everything's very flowing from the clothes to the, your beard or your hair kind of thing. It, everything feels very, very much alive and I dig the setting. I, I I actually really like the the exploration and the combat. I didn't mind the bouncing around and whatnot. Again, the only thing I did not like is having to lose so much time if you do die. But in terms of the the look, the feel, the combat, the the RPG elements of your 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 gear, your weapons and 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 whatnot and, and abilities, I fucking really dig it. So I I'm looking forward to actually playing with you because 
you were saying you'd like to, to try that sometime one of these nights maybe this week we can we can give that a shot because i'm very curious how it's going to play with uh with multiple real people and not just your your buddy helper kind of thing plus it'd be yeah. just funny too especially if we're in discord shoot the shit while we're playing it'll be fun i it's it's a game that lends itself very well to that i agree all right let's backtrack now because somebody's back and talk about the outer worlds joe i mean if you want to you want to yell at my dog and tell her that she needs to control her bladder that's on you god damn it sylvanas <laughs> you were supposed to be beforehand all right the outer worlds yeah, so Obsidian is producing a brand new RPG called The Outer Worlds, uh, and it's basically Fallout and Mass Effect and Borderlands if they had a really weird baby, and I'm okay with that. Uh, we actually did get some more information as the after the show in the last couple days. Uh, so it's an alternate history future that basically takes people into the Gilded Age of Outer Space where a collection of megacorporations have bought and paid for a new colony in a star system far from Earth. Uh, there are two inhabitable, habitable, uh, two habitable worlds that are being basically being terraformed, uh, and as the game starts, players find themselves on a massive starship, freshly thawed after a uh, much longer-than-expected journey. Uh, so you're on the second colony ship, you wake up, and then you have to kind of help people. Well, you get to choose if you want to help wake up the other people that are being frozen or not. Um, you are going to get a full party of NPCs uh, where you can actually go through and have a party of people kind of like in the old school Baldur's Gate style. Uh, they did say that they're not going to put any romance in it. They said that, you know, there's too many games that already do that. That's not what they want it to be about. They're, they're focusing on other things, and I'm okay with that. Uh, I, but it just looks fucking cool. Like, it is... Wild West meets Borderlands meets Fallout in fucking in the middle of colonizing space. Uh, and it's also apparently going to give you options on how you play the game. Like, you don't have to go through everything guns blazing. You're going to have RPG choices. So there's going to be uh, apparently uh, uh, vocal skill checks. So you, you're going to have, like, lies. You're going to have, like, deceits you're going to have uh, persuasions and things like that uh and they're also going to implement apparently a memory system like telltale did where your decisions depending on how you interact with somebody are going to actually shape what the player experiences uh and they said that they're going to do a lot less as far as like character customization goes they want it to be very old school in that regard because the only time you're ever going to see your character is in menus uh, it's going to be more about what you play as, like what you choose to do, and how you interact with NPCs, more than what you look like, which I think is fine. Yeah, it's, definitely. It's interesting. Oh, this was the, the, I'm I'm trying really hard not to buy games on day one anymore. Sometimes I do, but I, <laughs> I'm trying really hard not to do that. Um, and this was the only one on my list that I actually wrote day one purchase, so I can remember because I fucking want to play this if we're lucky maybe it'll come to the game pass because it's obsidian and microsoft yeah. owns them now i would love that but even if it's not i i think i'll be picking this up immediately because it speaks to me on every fucking level i okay it takes I every mean, box borderlands was i mean for for all the bitching that we did about certain elements of both one and two was still I, I, I still bounce in periodically to play or, or different things. I adore that and the humor of it. And this has elements of that, 
plus from other games and other IPs and different things. Fuck, there was like a, damn near a Firefly feel for me at one point. One of the scenes, mm-hmm. I'm going like, geez, that could be taken right out of Firefly. So there was different elements of it that I really freaking dig. There's one thing that I that I thought was interesting that I noticed. They haven't talked about this, but I noticed it in the screenshots. Um, flaws. There is a flaw in perk system. And I haven't seen something like that in a game in a long, yes, long time. Definitely notice. So your characters can obtain, it looks like, flaws based off of your failures. Uh, just kind of like Darkest Dungeon gives you those certain flaws when you, you fuck up really badly. And that's really, really cool. Like, uh, Rapto- Raptophobia is what the, the one that they, the screenshot that they showed. And it was repeated encounters with uh, rep- Rapididons has lessened your effectiveness when they're attacking you or your companion. And it actually gives you, like, a little bit of a negative, but because you have a flaw, it gives you a perk point that you can then spend in some manner that is uh, unknown at this time. But I think that's really cool. I'm going to defensively say you actually get different shit happen to you even if you play right in Dungeons <laughs> Darkest Dungeon. <laughs> it's not just that's if you fuck true. up. <laughs> it's all the fucking time. <laughs> and sometimes you fuck up and a good thing happens. That's right. <laughs> All right, no. Day day one purchase for me as well. You do. Other two want to say something about it, or we're moving on. It's uh, the game I've I want to play this game. Like I'm more excited about Obsidian doing a game like this than pretty much any other dev. Yeah, same general excitement, but nothing that hasn't already been said. Did any of you get a chance to look at the interview I posted the link to on uh, RPG site with the uh, the lead um, narrative writer? I believe. Not yet. It's actually really cool. And it was interesting because this is going to have also still a lot of elements of of different Obsidian games that rely heavily on various RPG mechanics. So like Pillars of Eternity and, and things like that, this is going to have things with companions. It's going to have things where different relationships with companions as well and things like that. Like, it was very, very fucking cool. I The interview is actually definitely worth reading. It's with uh, Megan Starks and uh, and yeah, it's on RPG site. I'll put a link in the, uh, the show notes because I, I thought it was very cool. So moving on from there, then let's talk about the last campfire. Joe, you were going to take that too. So yeah, this is uh, an interesting one. We don't know a whole lot about it yet, uh, but it's from Hello Games, so it's from the people behind No Man's Sky. So, um, but don't be don't be afraid, everybody out there, that it's going to shut up. poorly. Uh, they're they're talking. Last that campfire it's going is going to be, be great in three years. It's going to, <laughs> you guys are assholes. <laughs> They're calling it a Hello Game short, which means it's going to be a smaller game, which means it'll probably be just fine. Um, but the game is an adventure about what they call a lost ember trapped in a puzzling place, searching for meaning in a way home. Uh, basically, it's set in the wilderness, and it's lost folk, strange features, weird ruins, and you're a character that sort of just kind of gets separated from the herd during one of their, their travels, and you kind of have to find your way back. It had a very hob feel to me. Yes, and and I'm okay with that. Like, I, I very don't mind hub, that. and it had like a nice, um, not ancient but older Middle Eastern flair to the landscape mm-hmm. and the clothing and everything as well. Um, I I adore the style, very kind of cutesy, but 
in a like hub in that way that's that's engaging and that's very very fucking cool the music was phenomenal this this was the other one i didn't say day one purchase but i did write play this game exclamation mark (laughs) i leave myself notes people (laughs) so no this looks really fucking good the thing that i'm going to be interested in is if it's going to be a uh another voiceless game like one of the one of the things that hob showed us is that you could tell a story without uttering a single word like there could be literally no words no text no anything and you can still get a story conveyed to you you can still get emotion conveyed to you and even when we interviewed uh when we interviewed them it was the show don't tell philosophy I'm wondering how much of that's going to be here in Last Campfire because it already looks like the the protagonist, the, the what you're playing, it, you don't hear anything in the trailer. There's not really any interactions that like show any vocalization or anything like that. So I'm I'm kind of hoping that it's in that similar vein too because I like those type of games. Well, I mean, we definitely got that here in the trailer. Like when the little dude dropped his paddle, like I gasped. <laughs> it, it was definitely very mm-hmm. evocative, evocative and emotional. Okay, let's move on from there. We're going to talk about Dragon Age. We didn't get a ton of news, but it was enough to pique our interest, that's for sure. Marty, go ahead. Okay, so uh, I reached out to my buddy Megan Spur over on Dorcadia to help me with this uh, because what I have seen is we've got the Dread Wolf trailer where Solus basically says, uh, so you found me. I bet you have questions. And that's about it. Um we have a dev time uh, between two and four years before we actually see anything from Dragon Age, the Dread Wolf. Even the name might change. Um, but this is, you know, this is Bioware's, you know, continuing product since there was never a Mass Effect. And, and what I'm excited to see about it is like they are just continuing to build off of the story uh, that they started out in Dragon Age Origins, laying the groundwork with the Forsaken. With I'm not going to call them. They're not the call the Forsaken, but they're the, you get your Grey Knights and your Templars or whatever they're called. And you move forward to Dragon Age 2, <laughs> which reuses a lot of the same textures for its dungeons, but has an amazingly great story. Uh, Dragon Age Inquisition, which will, which its last DLC legacy leads into this game. Um, so that is a must play uh, in order to get the full experience uh, Megan recommends playing all the games but at the very least play dragon age inquisition at least three times uh to get the (laughs) yeah the one dragon age that i never finished because it could not hook me yeah the thing is like dragon age inquisition came out at the same time as destiny so it kind of lost i played the fuck out of one and two one multiple times uh two multiple times but i didn't finish it multiple times and so three inquisition i was on board i was ready to play the shit out of that and it was like mm-hmm. no I, I i i tried a couple of different playthroughs everything i just could not get into it so did you see and i'm with you on this one raj like it was the same problem for me with inquisition did you see the uh the twitter thread that that i retweeted and posted and stuff like that about like the breakdown i think you might have also posted it i i yeah i also posted it yeah uh that was fucking brilliant uh well, because it I was gonna say I didn't I didn't even think of half of that and then as soon as like it was pointed out I'm like it's obvious yeah now it is well it it, that's what I love because this air quotes trailer like it was essentially it was Bioware logo a piece of artwork 
with a voiceover and a hashtag. They literally didn't actually announce a game. They announced a game. But like, if you don't follow Dragon Age or didn't know what was up, you have no idea what this was about. However, for people who are into Dragon Age, that one picture is literally all they needed. Which was enough to get me interested in actually participating in this game. Because like like I said with Roger, I didn't I didn't play Inquisition. I couldn't get into it. And I tried multiple times. Like I started and restarted and tried different character combinations. And you're I don't know. I'm hoping that this is gonna be closer to uh one and two as far as gameplay goes and less three because i would love to get some of those loose story threads from two filled in mm-hmm. and it seems like this is going to be the place that it happens see i actually did finish inquisition uh there was i i will fully admit it did have its flaws but like there was enough with some of the characters that did keep me interesting guys like uh dorian and iron bowl like i i was there more for the characters than the story but if there's one like number one on the bullet list for whatever the hell this game is going to be, we'll just call it Dragon Age Four. No open world bullshit, because the open world stuff in Inquisition was a headache. Yeah. It, it got even worse in Andromeda. It's Bioware is not good at this thing, <laughs> so just make an actual Dragon Age game. The the open world plus the stupidity of the quest that they fill that open world with. Mm-hmm. Like you're saving this world and then they're getting you herding fucking goats and shit. And it's like, no, no, that's, it, it, yeah. I'm an inquisitor. Let me go herd your goats. <laughs> yeah. All right. How about we move on to the pathless? Marty, you were going to take this too. Okay. So this is, it looks like to be a PS4 exclusive. Um, it looks like uh, there's a movie called The Eagle Hunter, uh, which is a story about a teenage girl who, uh, in in Inner Mongolia, who is the f- the first woman to compete in the Golden uh, Eagle competition, where they literally hunt with an eagle. Uh, that's the literally the feel I'm getting from this game, where it's this bright, fluid, action-packed, like super adorable and fearsome looking hawk that you're that you're with uh i really dug this whole presentation like it's just a fast and furious look at like this this woman and her archery skills uh, just going off on an adventure and this just seemed like a great game that's i there's not much else about that um but the trailer looks super great like check it out it literally looks like you know the uh golden eagle hunter the video game well it's from the makers of absu giant squid so it has that right right right. it has just this beautiful style to it and i dug it too i i love the going around with her bird buddy and taking on mythical creatures and shit and then when she's jumping off the cliff and hanging on to the bird and flying around i was going okay yeah 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 we can have fun with this (laughs) so it, it looked very cool Okay, moving on from there, we had Survived By, which is basically, it's kind of a cutesy kind of game where you are, and we've seen this before, you die, your ancestor takes over, and you keep going from there kind of thing. So it looked all right. It's definitely not something I'm going to play. I don't know if you guys are going to play. It's it's free, if I'm not mistaken, even. So you can just try it out. I don't think I'm going to play it. 
And then we got, um, oh, you wanted to talk about, I didn't see anything about Sonic Fox. Uh, Sonic Fox was the recipient of the esports player. That's who that was. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I was going to talk about that later. So, but... like, we've seen over the last couple of game awards, like, they love handing out awards to prominent figures and influencers, and many of them are not great human beings. <laughs> so, I just wanted to give a spotlight to somebody who is legitimately, like, a really good person. Uh, Sonic Fox won esports player of the year. Uh, just in this past year, he won the World Championships for Injustice 2, as well as winning Evo, which is essentially the World Championships for Dragon Ball Fighter Z. And in previous years, he was also the World Champion in Mortal Kombat X. So this dude isn't just good at a fighting game like a lot of uh, professionals are. He is great across the board. Anything he sets his mind to, he succeeds at. And I just love that he's such a genuine person. Like, you see him get up there on the stage and he's wearing his furry costume, which that's a thing for him. Uh, and a lot of people are like, oh, he's like, it's kind of part of it's his, it's what he does. It's an act. But when you hear him up there talking, again, this is a guy who has won thousands upon thousands of dollars playing fighting games professionally on TV, on the internet, stood up in front of crowds, received awards he was still nervous as hell to accept this award. And like the the suit is kind of like his his protection, his armor against the anxiety that he feels. And it was just such a genuine moment up there of him just being so happy to to be recognized for this because he tried to tell the story. It did not come across very well. Last month, I think it was, at those Injustice World Finals, uh, he won the tournament, but then donated all of his winnings, well, $10,000 of his winnings, to the guy he beat because the the person who finished second his father had just been diagnosed with cancer and he wanted to help out with those treatments so he's a guy who he does these things because he just wants to have fun wants to be part of these communities and it's something i've been seeing a lot because i still follow a lot of the fighting game community stuff online that the the core members of the fighting game community are so inclusive. Like, like he says, he gets up there on stage. He's a gay black furry and he's proud of it. And he's accepted by his peers from it because the fighting game community is founded on that concept of anybody who has a quarter can play because it started back in the day in the arcades. And it's still that same mentality that's carried forward to this day. So again, I just wanted to, to give a, a big shout out and a spotlight to, I feel one of the few people <laughs> that that they've recognized as uh, on the community side of things, not the developer side of things that is actually deserving of an award. Yeah, I agree. Like he, he's one of my favorite. Uh, he's more than just a person. He's just a really cool, like really chill. Like he's, he's what the gaming community should be. And of course, opinion. over the last few days, since he's now, in the spotlight for people who don't follow fighting games, he's of course been getting attacked by everybody because of the internet and he's just handled it wonderfully. Oh, he's handled it brilliantly. I, this is uh, the first time where I feel like my Reddit feed and my gaming interests actually collide uh, because uh, the Chapo Trap House subreddit is on fire uh, for Sonic Fox. Like, they are going nuts for him. Um, gamers are good now, which is their, their new thing. Uh, I love every single one of his responses so far. 
I absolutely love him dunking on dragging uh, some of the people that have, he says, you all have literally oppressed me my entire life and now I won. So I dig this guy. I was actually going to close up with him. I couldn't remember his name, but it was like <laughs> there was one shining moment. And Okay. But we're not done yet, folks, but we're almost done. Uh, moving on from there, Vince, you wanted to talk about Mortal Kombat 11. Briefly. Yes. Uh, we got our <laughs> reveal of Mortal Kombat 11 coming out next year. And there's and this very small thing. There's actually a lot to be excited for. We see uh, Evil Raiden, who he did a full heel turn in the last couple games, battling that with Scorpion in just brutal, over-the-top Mortal Kombat way and just decimating Scorpion. And then in the trailer another scorpion steps in and it's very important that this is definitely mortal kombat 2 mortal kombat 3 era scorpion so what we're looking at here because we see at the end of the trailer this mysterious woman uh standing next to an hourglass running upside down so it looks like time travel is going to be a very important part of the story here and that's great because Mortal Kombat 9 story kind of pulled an Infinity War with half the cast <laughs> and, like, killed a lot of the, the main characters off. So being able to, like, go back and fix these mistakes is going to, in the overall Mortal Kombat story, is going to bring things back around, you know, like, like a comic event. Eventually all your favorite people come back to life. So they're kind of doing that here with some sort of time travel element. I just really, and I, God, this is so weird that, I have so much faith in what NetherRealm can do with a story because ever since Mortal Kombat 9, through Mortal Kombat 9, the first Injustice, MKX, and Injustice 2, they have absolutely raised the bar for what a story mode in a video game can be. I'm sure, Raj, you can at least somewhat agree with that because you played the Injustice games. Yeah, the Injustice games I did like. Uh, the, the and how they, had, how they handle the story of like an actual story mode and going from character to character and seeing the story progress is absolutely the bar as far as storytelling and fighting games goes. So I have a lot of hope that they're going to do this well. My only, my only worry is that by destroying so much of the, the franchise in Mortal Kombat 9, MKX gave us so many fantastic new things, new characters with Cassie Cage, Jackie Briggs, Takeda, uh, Kung Jun like the like the second generation of the Mortal Kombat characters, essentially. I don't want that to go away. So I, I'm really interested to see how they can kind of fix the timeline without undoing the timeline. Because I I will always support badass 50-year-old general so Sonya Blade because she's just cool as shit in MKX. So I wanna I wanna keep all the good stuff they did in the MKX, but bring back those classic elements that are currently missing from the franchise. All right, moving on from there, we're going to wrap things up pretty soon. There's only a few games left. They announced uh, Stranger Things 3, the game, which was cute. It's like, what, a 16-bit game kind of thing. It looks fine. As much as I love the Stranger Things uh, seasons, I the games really don't do much for me personally. I don't know about you guys. Mm -hmm. And then we got a uh, new trailer for Psychonauts 2. You know what? I actually never did play Psychonauts, the original. I, I know it's Another one of those... Another game I forgot hasn't actually come out yet. Yeah, because when was this announced originally? Like two E3s it's been ago, a, I think? It's been a while, yeah. 20, 2015. 2015? Two E3s ago. Holy God. fucking hell. 
yeah it was it was 2015 because i've been waiting for it since then they announced it and i was like yes and then every year it's like they're like it's still coming i'm like okay i'm just not excited at all it looked cool but because i never really played the other one it was like "Eh, whatever and it's dragging on so fucking long was there anything you wanted to say about it i just want a fucking game to play fair enough (laughs) all right devil may cry five I can't believe none of you took this. We could just skip over it if you guys don't even want to. I was trying to be nice and not take anything. (laughs) Okay, well, how about you say what you might be excited about? I assumed Joe had already taken it. (laughs) I I am a huge fan of the Devil May Cry series, and I like what they're doing here, which is okay. The reboot that we did, it while no like nobody liked it, I loved it personally. I thought it was a great fucking game, but they're like, we're not going to do that anymore. Screw that. We're going to take it all the way back to four, which people still kind of didn't really like, but liked enough of that. We're going to do it again and bring Nero back and bring everything like and introduce some new characters and, and do all sorts of stuff. Every time I see something about this, I just get more and more hyped. I I'm so on board with this game because they're, they're, they're bringing Nero back. They're bringing, you know, Dante back They're They're Tris. I think was seen in one of the scenes, which is absolutely hysterical. Mm-hmm. Um, Virgil was in one of the scenes. Um, and I can't remember the, the name of the witch that has the truck. Uh, crap. Yeah. I, I always forget because she's the new one. <laughs> she's the new one, but she's like, she's a witch and she mm. knows what's going on with these games. And it's, and it's interesting. The only thing that would make this better is if Bayonetta showed up in the right, like in the <laughs> middle of the fucking game somehow. Like, I'd be happy, but I'm super excited for this. So, was this our first look at V, the, yes. the third playable character? Like, his really cool gameplay style with like summoning animals and stuff he's not a combatant but he still has like actual combo gameplay designed around his panther and his raven and shit Mm -hmm. looks really cool it really does like it just there there's everything they keep releasing about this just looks more and more badass like they're i think they're finally learning from their mistakes in life is what it boils down to. So I'm, I'm, I'm content. Did you see how they're handling multiplayer in this game? I did not. I missed that. So there's segments of the, like they said straight up, this is a single player game, but there's segments of the game where Nero, Dante and V are all like in the same place at the same time. And the game will actually, if you opt into it, like there is even like some live gameplay, like Dark Soulsy t- style stuff. But the I think the way most people are going to experience it is the game reads your what you do in the game, like your actual gameplay inputs, and uploads those to a server so that when other people get to that same point, it's not an it's not an AI. It's actually using your combat data in their game, and the more stylish you are, like they can give you rewards. So it's kind of a Dragon's Dogma element to it as well. That's really clever. That's actually a racing thing that they do in uh, in Forza. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> ghost, the ghost driving. Yeah. <laughs> okay, what did you think of uh, the Rage 2 thing? Because I think of the four of us, you're the only one that played Rage. I It was cool, but I, I kind of already sold on the game. So this it was just more of something I already know I'm going to like. Because, man, this is another one that looks like it has Borderland feels to it as well. And and it fucking looked awesome. Looked like a ton of fun. Mm-hmm. I love the art style as well. Well, I mean, this is this is Rage's aesthetic. Because if you remember when Borderlands was first announced, it looked yeah. a lot different. 
And then Rage came out, and that's when Gearbox changed Borderlands art style to be what it is today. So it's kind of coming full circle. Yeah, it looks awesome. Um, you wanted to talk about uh, Smash Bros. Yeah, the biggest surprise of the night. Uh, it started off with a huge surprise with Ultimate Alliance, and it ended with a huge surprise with what we got with Smash Brothers. And with I loved the whole thing of the Phantom Thieves from Persona 5 breaking into the show and like the weird little voiceover is like, okay, what's this going to be? And the absolute jaw-dropping reveal of the calling card having the Smash symbol on it. It's just like when they first announced Smash Ultimate with the 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 squidling and the 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 symbol. And yeah, Joker, the main protagonist from Persona 5, is going to be the first DLC fighter for Smash Ultimate, which is crazy because Persona 5's not on a Nintendo console. <laughs> yes. But yet, and uh, Reggie was talking about how definitely the DLC characters are going to uh, broaden the scope for what we know for, for Smash. I would be shocked if we didn't see Wolverine. Honestly, I'm I'm stumping for Wolverine and Smash. There's only one thing I have to say about this whole thing. <laughs> Fucking Waluigi when? <laughs> they're they're trolling at this point. They have they, to troll. They absolutely are. They have to be. So, but also uh what I have a feeling of when they uh, I would assume at some point soon they're going to announce the air quotes definitive edition of Persona 5. Like they with Persona 3 came out on the PS2. And it got the definitive edition in Persona 3 Portable for the PSP. Uh, Persona 4 came out on the PS2. Got its definitive edition in Persona 4 Golden on the Vita. Well, now we've had Persona 5 on the PS4. It's going to have a definitive edition, which typically is released in some sort of handheld state, which is a great way to play Persona. And what's the top handheld on the market these days, guys? That would be a Switch. That would be a Nintendo Switch. So I would assume at some point very soon with this announcement, we'll see whatever they're going to call the upgraded version of Persona 5. They'll probably put it on PS4 and stuff as well, but it will almost definitely be coming to Switch. Yeah, I'd be very surprised if it didn't at this point. And that is going to wrap it. Roundtable, though, did anybody have anything that I missed? Joe, we'll start with you. And no bitching about Spider-Man not winning anything. You can do that next week. No, I wasn't going to bitch about that. I was just going to say, uh, I'm actually surprised at uh, how less cringeworthy this award ceremony was uh, compared to last year's. It's getting better. Still not great, but getting better. Actually, I was I was impressed with how well Jeff did this year. I, I poked oh, yeah, no, fun. He had, a, he had an addiction coach or something. Yeah, I've joked around about it before. Like, he's done fantastic things. He's really pushed the medium and, and lots of respect, but he's a horrible speaker. And I've always joked around <laughs> about the ums and the ahs that there are so many. And as I was watching this, it was like, none. Like, he fucking nailed it. He did a great job. And there were a lot less, yes, cringeworthy moments. Uh, Marty, what about you? Parting thoughts? I. Uh, I like trailers. I like the trailers a lot. And that's where we're leaving. Okay, then. <laughs> Vince. <laughs> oh, good job, Marty. I, thank you. Vince, party thoughts. Uh, just to reiterate, I was actually very happy with the show. Every year, it gets a little better, a little better. Like, there was even a callback to uh, 
the first one Jeff did when he broke away from Spike TV, the god awful VGX, by bringing back Joel McHale to to hand out an award yeah. and a recognition of okay, we've come far enough. And of course, that was when Sonic Fox won the award. So that was Joel's welcome back. Was here's a big blue guy in a fox outfit. But uh, overall, yeah, every year it gets a little better, and it's it's to the point now where instead of being prepared for this is going to be bad, let's just shit talk it for a couple hours. It was an enjoyable evening. Yeah, I I split it across and watched the VOD later on. Um, but no, I actually enjoyed it. The He knows, too, that, again, people are watching worldwide because they want to see all the announcements. So the the point of the VGAs is hardly just who won the awards, but also just, hey, check out this awesome shit that's coming as well to keep people very enthusiastic about the medium. So, yeah, I enjoyed it. So that is going to wrap it up. Thank you very much for joining us. You can find the show notes at ForTheLore.com, and you can find us on Twitter at ForTheLore. Individually, Joe is Loaders at J. Vincent Simonian, and Marty is Officer Gleason. And we will talk to you next week, where we're going to have our wrap-up for the year and then take a couple of weeks off, and then be coming back for not just the regular episodes, but starting up Marty's campaign, which we're looking forward to. Well, most of us are looking forward to. So we'll talk to you guys next week. Most of us. Not me. <laughs> well, I nearly about starved to death down in Memphis I run out of money and luck So I bought me a ride down to Macon, Georgia On an overloaded poultry truck I thumbed on down to Panama City Started picking out some of them all night bars Thank you for listening to For the Lore If you'd like to hear more from the guys Check out Popcorn Ronin with Roger and Vince A movie, TV, and anime podcast As well as Lore Watch A Blizzard Lore podcast co-starring Joe and if you're into comic books, check out All Comics Considered with Marty and his crew. Lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. You can find him at ManelliJamal.com as well as on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.